Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show. Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I am not Dan Patrick. Uh, hopefully you figured that out by now. I don't have any Danettes. I don't have his smooth voice. Uh, but I am on Dan Patrick Sports. That's right. Nick Gieber here with you, talking the beautiful game as I do each and every day, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, live on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM 211, uh, and of course our digital outlets, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, the award-winning Sirius XM app, and of course a big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. Lots to get to today. We're going to continue the discussion of the fallout of the Manchester City ban that has been imposed upon them by UEFA for two seasons, a Champions League lockout, 25 million pound fine, and of course, a potential Premier League points deduction coming down the road should that be upheld. We're going to talk about that. Now, we discussed this in some detail earlier on in the week, so I don't want to rehash uh, the same ground I went on. But at the end of the show that we were talking about Man City this week, I had mentioned that the ramifications of this are most likely going to be an era of domination of Liverpool Football Club in the Premier League. And I want to I want to sort of go on a little bit about that, talk a bit more about that, because there was a great article in Sky Sports today about Jadon Sancho and where he's likely to go. This is one of the most in-demand players, obviously, uh, in on the planet right now, uh, maybe outside of Timo Werner or Haaland. Uh, but let's talk about it. It, it. It's an interesting point. Of course, we're going to touch on all the Champions League matches that happened this week and their results. Some surprising results, but of course, we're only halfway through those games. Uh, lots to get to today. So believe me, no shortage of topics to talk about. Find me on Twitter at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. You can also find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. Uh, coming up on the 14th of March, I'll be very pleased to welcome back on a regular basis, uh, my uh, gone missing of late co-host Kartik Krishnaya, who's had some issues he's been dealing with, uh, but Kartik will be rejoining us uh, at that time. So very happy to announce that. All right, I'm going to step aside, take a break, be right back to kick it off on Fistry Soccer. I just, I, I love Elvis Costello. I mean, really, uh, absolutely brilliant. I was devastated here a couple of years ago because I he was playing here in Las Vegas with his new band, which is called, uh, not the, his old band was The Attractions. I, I forget what they, this new band is called. But, of course, they do all of Elvis's songs, and uh, he's a prolific songwriter, and uh, haven't seen him since the 80s. And uh, I was all set, had tickets at the win, and everything was great, and I was going to take a date, and life was good. It was my birthday present to myself. I couldn't understand why, you know, I wasn't hearing anything about it. And then I had an opportunity 
to go online and find out that because of Steve Wynn's poor behavior at the time, this was the story breaking at the time, how he was, uh, you know, inviting the massage girls from the Wynn up for a little hanky-panky, little rub and tug. Uh, how Elvis was so horrified at this that he decided he was no longer, he was not going to honor his commitment to play at the win because of Steve Wynn's bad behavior. So uh, we swapped Steve Wynn's bad behavior for Elvis Costello's bad behavior, and I did nothing on my birthday. So there you go. Still love Elvis Costello. I'll forgive him for it, of course. But that song, picked for a reason, because that song is I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea. Now, you know, <laughs> we can talk about what that song means. That song, you know, was written, I think, what, 77? I think that album came out in 78. Uh, it was about uh, an outsider not wanting to go down to the King's Road, which is where all the punks were, you know, at the time in London, at, at, in Chelsea. Uh, and uh, because they were so superficial and, and, and you know, it's a typical stuff. But, but in fact, it has a better meaning because lots of discussion about young Jaden Sancho. 19-year-old player. He's a winger. He's a prolific player. Played with his youth career at Watford, played at Man City, but it's been with Borussia Dortmund uh, two started with them back in 2017. Now remember, I mean, 2017, this kid was 17 years old, but he's with the senior team of Borussia Dortmund since 2017. He scored, he's had 68 appearances, scored 26 goals. He's an England international. He's made 11 appearances for England with two goals. He is a rare talent. And look... There are people that compare him to Messi. There are people that compare him to Neymar. You can't... Look, these are players that are so hard to compare to each other. Is he a Messi? Is he a Neymar? Uh, well, forget Neymar, because I actually think Neymar is highly, highly overrated. But, of course, uh, Lionel Messi is not highly, highly overrated. He is rated as, you know, one of the five greatest players ever to play the game, appropriately so. I don't believe Jadon Sancho is uh, at that level. Could he be at that level, given that he's only 19? Maybe. Well, why am I talking about Jaden Sancho? Well, he's become one of the hottest properties for the summer signings. There are a number of them. Uh, Jaden Sancho is one. Timo Werner is the other. Chelsea Football Club would love to sign Jaden Sancho. They're not going to be able to. Manchester United would love to sign Jaden Sancho. He is a part of their plan. Um, guess what? They're not going to be able to. And, and there's a reason for that. I mean, look, I'm not just sitting here slamming these clubs and, uh, and um, you know, all of the rest. The reason for that is, right now, the Premier League in England is going to be, for all intents and purposes, for the next four or five years, completely, totally, and utterly dominated by Liverpool Football Club. And look, if you listen to the show, you know I'm a Liverpool supporter, and I have been for decades, and, and that's great. And I'm not saying this because I'm a Liverpool supporter. Does it make me happy? Of course it makes me happy. I would be, you know, I would be lying to you if I said I was devastated as a Liverpool supporter to tell you that I firmly believe they're going to dominate the Premier League for the next five years. But no, there's reasons for all of this. And, and this week has cast a laser beam of understanding 
on why that's going to be. And, and look, we're not looking at, what was it, 18 titles or however many titles Man United have in the Premier League. Uh, Man United had a good decade and a half of total dominance in the Premier League. Uh, we're not looking at that long. But we are looking at a, uh, at a, a confluence of convergence of events here that have finally broken in favour of Liverpool Football Club where after you know many, many years, uh, it seems like all this stuff has gone against them. And I'm going to go down that list for you, but I'm going to just want to get back for a second to the transfer market. because So we're talking Jadon Sancho. We're talking Timo Werner. Now, he is at Red Bull Leipzig. By the way, uh, they had a terrific result against Tottenham Hotspur at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I'm going to tell you why they had a terrific result and why it goes into my discussion about dominance in the Premier League. Important stuff. I also want to talk to you about Liverpool and the Champions League. Because obviously, you know, Liverpool had a disappointing result uh, against uh, Atletico de Madrid in the Champions League uh, at the Wanda Metropolitano Stadium on uh, Tuesday. I'm going to tell you why that's not the worst result on the planet. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, another guy, and I bring this up not just because I want to talk Champions League football, because I love to talk Champions League football, but I bring this up because we talk about Timo Werner. We talk about uh, Jadon Sancho being super hot properties right now. Uh, but, you know, in terms of hot managers, I don't think there's any manager hotter other than Jurgen Klopp right now than the Argentinian in command at Atletico de Madrid and Diego Simeone. So all of these things sort of come together and have meaning if you look at them all holistically. And I want to drive and, and, and drive down into detail on this. And, and look, Manchester City caught violating a bunch of very stupid rules that I don't personally believe in. And I think last show I mentioned how ridiculous it was, I thought, that the owner of a football club couldn't provide capital investment to his club to purchase players and an on-field to purchase the on-field quality that he expects as owners of the club couldn't do that by reaching into his savings account and I'm being simplistic here clearly but he could do it if he reached for his credit card account and look I'm not picking on Man United here uh, and I know if I were to have on uh, Phil Brown or any of the other members of the Man United Supporters Club, they would probably agree with me here. Uh, Man United has done, uh, have spent far beyond their earnings, but they've done it by, with debt rather than through turnover. But that's okay with UEFA. What's not okay with UEFA is if you want to use your savings account to do it. I mean, this is just ridiculous. It's a stupid double standard. It, it doesn't really make sense. And it is, as I went to great lengths, uh, and really on my soapbox last show, to explain, it's a little like the bank robbers locking the door on the way out and making sure that no one else can rob the bank. I mean, once you've got the PSGs, by the way, they lost midweek in the Champions League. We need to talk about that. Um, PSG, uh, it is uh, Chelsea Football Club. It's Manchester City Football Club. It's potentially Newcastle Football Club with the Saudi Investment Fund. But the teams that have been there and done that, they don't want anyone else doing it. 
And it's funny to hear these self-serving, back-slapping protestations from uh, the powers that be at Barcelona and Real Madrid. You know, these guys get subsidies, huge subsidies from the Spanish government. But those, again, fly under the radar. All right, I've got to go to break. When we come back, let's get down to it. Let's talk about why I'm telling you that the Premier League is going to be dominated by Liverpool over the next five years. Let's take a look at the table, and I'm going to run down the top number of clubs and tell you what they have to do and then what they're going to have to do and where they are in the cycle of success. All right, I'll be right back after this. All right, you're back with me, Nick Eber, here on Fist Street Soccer. Look, we're talking about the cycle of success, but before before we get to that, I have to give you some very, very important breaking news. No, it doesn't concern Manchester City Football Club and their ban. It doesn't concern uh, young Timo Werner and where he ends up or Jadon Sancho. It is not an injury to a critical Premier League player like Harry Kane or Hyun Min Song. No, the big news, the breaking news, this public service announcement, well, it's brought to you by Manscaped.com because they have a brand new trimmer. It's absolutely the best of the market. It's their third generation lawnmower. It is the Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer, and folks, it is now available for your purchase. That's right. This trimmer features a leading cutting-edge ceramic blade, and that is going to prevent manscaping accidents now look millions of testes are about to be nick free and i'm not talking about nick as in me because i don't want them all right thanks to manscaped advanced skin safe technology and look if you've ever tried to shave your nether regions i know the ladies do it on a regular basis men many men do not if it's something you've considered doing do me a favor don't bother with the razor even if it's a safety razor, you don't want something uh, like that next to your you-know-whats. Pick up the Lawnmower 3.0. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV. That's believe at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BLEAV. And as always, your family jewels will thank you. And you can be like me. I went from Prince Harry to King Baldick, with no pain, no blood. All right, let's get back to it. So, Liverpool are going to win the Premier League this season. And as a Liverpool supporter, it's taken me a long time to be able to say that with a straight face and not feel like there's some uh, luck god somewhere that is looking down on me saying, ha-ha, you said it. You jinxed it. It's not going to happen. It is almost, ma- it is not yet mathematically impossible, but it is almost mathematically impossible at this point for Manchester City to make up the 22 points, 23 points, excuse me, that they trail Liverpool in the Premier League. So you have Liverpool on top with 76 points. And, and by the way, I want to point something out to you. This isn't really a massive anomaly this season for Liverpool Football Club. Last season, over a 38-game season, they only lost one game. 
This season, they haven't lost any so far, and we're 26 games into a 38-game season. So if you take 26 and 38, I'm doing math here, which is <laughs> which is which isn't which isn't my thing. It's not my it's not my jam. 64 games in the Premier League. Liverpool have lost one. Now, last season, they didn't win the Premier League. They were pipped to the title by one point by Manchester City. That's how close that race was. That's how hard Liverpool and Man City were pushing each other throughout the season. But this season, City have had a bit of a collapse. Uh, a collapse, I think, because their team is getting older. Their team has needed some refreshing. Uh, they've had a critical injury. They started off with a critical injury to Aguero, which lasted uh, a, a good number of matches. And they had a critical injury to Laporte, which uh, he was the guy that defensively uh, they were going to build around. And remember, I mean, Man City always were terrific defensively with sort of Vincent Kompany as the sort of uh, anchor of that very tough spine they always had. And, and, and they have really been struggling. And when I say struggling, I'm, I'm trying to put it into the appropriate context. But look, Sheffield United have conceded fewer goals than Man City. Uh, obviously, Liverpool have as well. Uh, Leicester City have conceded fewer goals. United have conceded the same amount of goals. So, of course, uh, City have been knocking the goals in at a prodigious pace. And that's what they did last season. But last season, they knocked the goals in at a prodigious pace and they kept them out at a ridiculous number. I believe Liverpool defensively had a slightly, slightly better record than uh, Man City did last season. And in fact, they did. They conceded 22 goals last season. Uh, uh, City conceded 23. But on the flip side, City scored 95 goals. So these two teams pushing each other constantly. Push, 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 all the way through. But this season, City collapse. They're at the end of their cycle. This is where I'm going with this. Manchester City are at the end of their cycle. Their players are getting older. They are, I don't believe many of these players have the same drive, that same vim and vigor and desire to win the Premier League and because they've done it two seasons in a row. And I think just like a car that starts to run out of gas, it needs to go to the fuel station and, 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 and pump up. But, but, and but again... That's going to be very, very, very difficult to do if you don't have Champions League football to offer and your club has the stigma of having cheated. It makes Manchester City by far less of an attractive target to go to. And then the final piece of this equation is you have to add into it the fact that now the scrutiny is going to be on Manchester City in a massive way. And I don't believe Manchester City's turnover is going to support the type of transfer fees and wages that they would normally bring in and pay because they're going to be getting watched so very closely. And of course, with no Champions League football, that's about 100 million less pounds a year that you're bringing in. Therefore, that's about 100 million less pounds a year that you can turn around and spend on players. 
So if you are a Manchester City fan, I think that you are in trouble. And by the way, I have absolutely nothing against Manchester City whatsoever. I have no axe to grind, no beef with them. Uh, Man City were a club that for decades, for most of the footballing existence, has sort of lived in somewhat obscurity and in the shadow of their more globally known and popular neighbor, Manchester United. It's only really been since the investment of Sheikh Mansour and Abu Dhabi that they have uh, been in a position to become a global brand. And I know if you're fairly new to the game, that may be a surprise to you. So Manchester City, we can count them out going forward. And I don't care, Pep Guardiola can say, no matter what, I'm staying, I'll stay with the team if, even if we're in the championship. And um, Raheem Sterling will say, I'm not going anywhere. And by the way, you know, I think these are great statements. And, and I, I, I think that the Manchester City faithful should really appreciate these uh, public statements of support coming from key players and personnel within the club. And I will agree, they have an appeals process that will go through, that will wind down, that will... We will see our way through that appeals process. But having said all of that, they're not going to be a power player in the Premier League for the next few years. They're not going to go away. They'll be top four contender for sure, but they're not going to be going to the Champions League for two years. So who is? Who can contend with Liverpool? And, and folks, I'll talk about this after the break, because we've got a few more minutes here before the break, but let's take a look at the other teams. Chelsea. Well, Chelsea are just coming off the back of a transfer ban, a two-window transfer ban. It was going to be for two years. They had it reduced to one, and they're now able to, play, to sign players. They have Frank Lampard. They have a young squad. But look, they are at the uh, regenesis of this club. Uh, obviously, Roman Abramovich came in in the 2000s, put in all this money, they had all this success, um, and they've struggled, uh, you know, since then, and they're still struggling today. Uh, they have a, they're in third place in the table, they play some lovely football, they brought in Frank Lampard to manage the club, and uh, he has a lot of young players who at times are great and at times are not great. Do I see Chelsea dominating the Premier League in the next five years? No, I do not. Do I think that sometime, maybe three or four years from now, Chelsea might really mount a serious title challenge and maybe win the Premier League? Yeah, they may. Let's move down the line for a minute. So that's Chelsea. Manchester United. Okay, folks. I mean, just take a look at Man United. I mean, they have uh, not won in uh, five games. Pardon me. Uh, I, that's uh, uh, you'll you'll excuse me. I'm uh, of course completely full of it. Man United have have won in five games. <laughs> in fact, they've won two out of their last five. In fact, they have won. The, they did win their last match uh, very luckily against Chelsea, and we can talk about that as well. How ridiculous was it? VAR. You know, I I'm a supporter of VAR. I think it's great because I, I'm sick and tired year in and year out of, uh, of hearing about the referee. And, but, you know, how VAR got those two goals wrong is beyond me. That should have been 2-2, but it was 2-0 United at Stamford Bridge. And I'm looking at the time, and I have to go to a break. So 
I'm going to do that. Let's pick this up on the other side of the break. Fist Street Soccer, Nick Eber with you. All right, welcome back to Street Soccer. Nick Eber with you. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, Man United, Chelsea, and I was asking who's really going to compete? Who is going to challenge the dominance of Liverpool at the top of the table for the next five years? We're going to talk about why Liverpool are going to have that, uh, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But let's keep going down the list. We talked about Man City. I mentioned how last season Liverpool Man City were pushing each other, pushing each other, but Man City have sort of collapsed this season. Six losses, three draws, you know. 24 points lost. It's a lot. Chelsea Football Club, young, inexperienced, fairly inexperienced manager. The amount of investment they're willing to make in the club, questionable. A lot of talk about the owners, the owner, Roman Abramovich. Of course, he was not granted residency status in the UK, which was a big problem for him. Is he an absentee owner? Is he looking to get out? Does he have the stomach for continued investment? And under the new climate in which Manchester City have been banned for two years from European football and fined, are Chelsea willing to skirt those sort of rules uh, that they've done in the past? And again, I think the rules are silly, so I'm not passing judgment here. I don't think so. I think Chelsea, again, they will be competing much as they are now to be in the top four, top six, thereabouts. Manchester United, they are in a, a huge rebuilding era. This is one of the most inconsistent teams in the Premier League. Last five, two wins, two draws and a loss. And I think you don't get a better example of their inconsistency than that. In fact, I'm going to say that there's only been twice this season that United have put together back-to-back -back wins. And last season was even worse. And look, it's it's hard. I mean, it, it's hard. We see, well, you saw it with Arsenal. You've seen it with United. You see it, uh, you'll see it here in, in the United States when uh, Bill Belichick leaves the Patriots. You'll see it, you know, and anyway, you saw it when um, Phil Jackson left the Lakers. Anytime you have a era-defining manager, coach, ruler of a club, a guy who has put his imprint, who has become uh, the very face of that club. Anytime somebody that is that era-defining leaves, and then we're talking, of course, talking about Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, it, it, it is a very, very, very difficult, nay, impossible feat to sort of repeat that success with someone else. By the way, look at Liverpool. You know, look at Liverpool. Legendary managers leave. Club goes into decline. There are other reasons at Liverpool too. Of course, we can get into that another time. But 
So it was unreasonable to think that once Alex Ferguson leaves United to continue dominance, of course they didn't, and of course they won't. But now what you're seeing is United are really just another team, top one-third team in the Premier League. And uh, I don't believe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the man to lead this team into the next uh, for the next 10 years. Uh, I don't think he's a bad manager. I have nothing against the uh, baby-faced assassin, who's not so babyish anymore. Uh, or the super sub, or whatever you want to call it. I think he's done a, an okay job with difficult, under difficult circumstances. But I don't see Man United dominating for a lot of reasons. I think number one is without a Sir Alex Ferguson at the helm, without an era-defining manager at the helm, a Pep Guardiola, a uh, Diego Simeone, a um, Jurgen Klopp, I think it's very difficult to be pulled to go to Manchester United because there are lots of other clubs that are bigger and better and more successful. And of course, if Man United don't have Champions League football to play in, well, then, you know, I think it's going to be a difficult place to recruit the necessary talent. And, you know, a lot of these English teams have really gutted their youth academies and youth systems over the last couple of decades as the push to win now and win now at all costs has in many, uh, in many instances gutted those academies and stripped them of the young talent as they've sold them uh, to sort of buy-in players for today. Uh, United still have a conveyor belt, but nothing like we saw in the Ferguson era. So I don't see Man United getting back to a position of dominance. I think their era has passed. Uh, let's talk about uh, Arsenal. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, if there, if there are two teams here that really should be in a position to challenge Liverpool's future dominance, I would say it would be Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal. And I'm going to talk about Leicester City in a minute because they, they will, they, they might be there. But Arsenal are a dumpster fire. They have all the pieces that they need. They have the solid financial footing. They have the beautiful stadium. Of course, we're talking about the Emirates. It's been around for what? I don't know, a plus to 10 plus years by now. They have very low debt loading on it. But they have, the problem that Arsenal Football Club have is that they won't pay the wages. Pardon me, they won't pay the transfer fees that they want to to bring in because they have a very cheap owner and I said you know you need to put that in quotation marks because of course if you own a huge stadium in London and you own a Premier League team you can't really be cheap but I mean when you compare him in the amount of money and the spending tolerance 40 million and one pound I'll just bring that up again Luis Suarez you want Luis Suarez you think he has a release clause of 40 million you know if he does there's going to be a bunch of other teams wanting him you offer 40 million and one pound I mean come on if that is the mindset of the club and it certainly is by the way uh, you're not going anywhere because quite frankly I don't believe Stan Kroenke cares that Arsenal are in 10th place and not second place or third place or winning the Arsene Wenger trophy like they used to year in and year out which of course we're talking about a trip to the Champions League I don't think he cares. I think he's just happy. He doesn't have to outlay massive amounts of money, uh, and he can make money. And uh, for Stan Kroenke, I think that's all he wants. So I would question the ambition of Arsenal Football Club and its ownership and the board to win. That is why Alistair Usmanov was not able to buy into this club, because Kroenke didn't want a co-owner who had ambitions to win things. So count Arsenal out. Now, let's move along to Tottenham Hotspur. They have a beautiful stadium, probably the nicest stadium today in global football. 
They have an era-defining manager in Jose Mourinho. They have some incredible players in Harry Kane, Hyunmin Song. They are a London club. And again, don't discount the size of the market, folks. This is why I'm going to tell you Leicester City, as much as I love them, um, they're going to be you know, in the top four mix year in and year out. But I don't see them really competing for the title. The problem that Tottenham Hotspur have is, again, it's, it's two things. Number one is, I, I, as good of a manager as Jose Mourinho is, and he is probably one of the three or four best managers on the planet. Certainly, historically, he's the most winning manager in the last 10-plus years. I mean, he is a monstrous manager. And I, I'm a fan. I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm a fan. Tottenham have a corporate policy that they won't pay the big wages that these players need to come and remain at the club. So as long as that is the case, they could recruit players to play at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but I think they're forever going to be fending off advances from other teams for those players when they reach that development point. Uh, and I think depth of squad, quality of player, quality of squad top to bottom is going to be a struggle for Tottenham and I don't see them able to compete. They are a London club, big market, they should be able to. But again, the restrictions of ownership. So let's go and I'll tell you then why. A Leicester City, great club, wonderful owners, true community club, won the Premier League, great story. Everybody loves Leicester City. By the way, I do too. I mean, and, and kudos to my friend John Barr here in Las Vegas. If you uh, are here and you, you see John on the TV, you know, John Barr will sell anybody a car. He's an Englishman, fellow Englishman. Told me before the season he put money on Leicester City to make the Champions League. Well, that's going to pay off big time for him today. Not today, but, you know, going down the line. And the reason for that is they build a good squad. They've invested money where they need to. But I don't see Leicester City as, uh, even though they have very, very wealthy owners, I don't see them as an attractive enough target for the type of talent that you need. So let's bring it down and let's get to the nitty-gritty here. Liverpool Football Club have probably the best owner in all of football right now in Fenway Sports Group. Yeah, I know, they own the Boston Red Sox. Yes, they have the whole cheating scandal, but I, you know, I don't believe that uh, the Fenway Sports Group had any knowledge of this cheating scandal going on. And when they found out, well, they fired the manager, right? They are a well-run, well-managed, fiscally responsible, I didn't say conservative now, I said responsible organization whose sole purpose in life is to run and build and grow value in sports franchises. And they took Liverpool Football Club, large, and they've said, largely because of financial fair play, they've worked within the financial fair play uh, guidelines, and they have built on the back of an era-defining manager in Jurgen Klopp, the right team at the right price with the right football system, with the right marketing behind it. They've expanded Anfield, not by tearing it down and bringing a new stadium, but by doing it in two phases. The first stage they added onto one stand. The next stage they're adding onto another. Anfield's going to go from 38,000 capacity to over 65,000 capacity. 
thereby increasing revenue. But the most important thing is they hired the right manager that shared the vision. They gave him the support he needed, both in terms of analytics, in terms of scouting, in terms of footballing. And they stayed with Jurgen Klopp despite early disappointments. And they allowed Jurgen Klopp to build the team in the image that he wanted with the players that he wanted. And what you are seeing now is what happens when a owner and a club and a manager uh, share the same vision, the same alignment, and they all drink from the same trough. My friends, that is a rarity these days in football. You are seeing it at Liverpool. It's not going away any time soon. Liverpool have become a global brand, even more than they ever were, a global powerhouse of football, the best team in the world, club team in the world, hands down, despite the Champions League loss against to Atletico Madrid. I would challenge anybody to tell me they're not the best team in the world right now. And they are an attractive target in a big city with a great facility and an era-defining manager and the right amount of money to pay the players, and they win. And that, my friends, isn't going away anytime soon because Liverpool are not at the end of their cycle like Manchester City. They are just coming into their cycle right now. Expect five years of dominance at Liverpool and then let's see how they make that transition. Look, do you agree with me or disagree with me? I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Send me a note. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. Let's talk about it because, man, this is this is great stuff. All right, uh, I'm going to take a break. By the way, again, big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. I'll be right back after this. Uh, story of my life there. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. By the way, I want to thank uh, sponsor Manscaped. We appreciate uh, our sponsors, as well as Bet Online, And, of course, uh, one of our great sponsors, Picks and Parlays. Look, if you want to bet on sports, aren't you better off doing it, having an expert in your back pocket? Well, you're going to get that at picksandparlays.net. And they have free picks in all sorts of sports. Uh, and when you're ready, their expert pick packages are there for you. Why don't you head over to picksandparlays.net right now, buy a package, tell them Nick Gieber from Fifth Street Soccer sent you. But seriously, don't bet alone and don't bet blind. All right, look, these are big issues we've been bringing up today on the show. Uh, but never fear, Premier League back this weekend. I'm going to give you the game-by-game game breakdown predictions, betting tips, the whole nine yards on, uh, on the next show because that's what we do here. We want to get you loaded and ready for bear. Great weekend we have coming up in the Premier League as we sort of uh, come to the end of the winter break and the, the Champions League restarts and and all the rest. By the way, don't forget, guys, by the way, guys, Wolves have uh, uh, and Arsenal have European action uh, in the midweek. But some big games coming up. 
uh, over the weekend. Chelsea Spurs, a huge one on Saturday at Stamford Bridge. Don't forget that one. Uh, Leicester City, Manchester City, another massive match at the King Power. Uh, United Watford should be a good one. Arsenal Everton will be a cracker. And on Monday, Liverpool West Ham. So we've got a lot of great matches to talk about. We're going to talk about it uh, on the next show. So be sure to uh, tune in. We didn't get much to the Champions League uh, this week. But by the way, PSG losing midweek. Atalanta, what a great story in their first uh, in their first run at the Champions League in their history. They beat uh, Valencia for their first uh, knockout stage match ever. In fact, the first time they've ever been in there. Uh, and of course, Liverpool losing to Atletico Madrid, only the second game. Uh, they have lost uh, all season. All right. I am going to have to go because that's sad, I know, but that's the way it is. Uh, so I'm going to do that. Uh, I will speak to you tomorrow. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube